So glad that you're with us. My name is Dwight, one of the pastors of Church 21. Uh, glad that you're here. Uh, and um, this is a sermon number three today uh, for me. So NDG, uh, where else was I? Verdun, and then here, downtown. So, so glad to be here uh, this evening. And I, I'm really looking forward to the numbers being able to increase. That will be great. Uh, the scripture reading this evening is Matthew, so uh, the Bible is broken up into two big sections. Uh, first section is Old Testament, before Jesus came. Um, the second section is New Testament, so that's the life, death, uh, resurrection of Jesus, and the first little bit after that. And so um, we'll probably have people still coming in, but, uh, but we'll, we'll be as focused as we can. And, um, and so I'm going to be reading from Matthew, first book in the New Testament, and this is where we're going to be uh, this evening. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 25. Uh, if not, you can listen well. Um, and there's lots of Bibles on your phone. If you have one of these uh, smart, intelligent thingies, there's these things called applications that if you uh, were to touch that, uh, there's all kinds of magic that opens up. And you could find Matthew 25 in there. So let me read this uh, to you. I'm reading from this Christian Standard uh, Bible. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And his master replied to him, you evil Lazy servant, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw his good for nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is like a Merry Christmas passage, it feels like. Uh, Let me pray, and then we will get going on this. Jesus, I thank you that that you love us. Thank you that you are uh, for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. And we ask that you would open our hearts to receive what you have to say uh, to us this evening. I thank you for people who are here. I pray that you would give us uh, ears to hear what you want for us to hear. I pray uh, for those who are watching at home, online, that uh, this would be a sweet time of, um, of enjoying one another within the home and, uh, and that they would be discussing well and that you would be speaking to them. So uh, we love you, we trust you, we need you, 
And uh, would you lead us well this evening? Pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so we're in this series. We're almost done. It's called Stories That Jesus Told. Um, You know, one day, one day we're going to get away from the noise above us, around us, under us. Like, we've been dealing with this for quite a while now. So online, you don't hear any of it. So um, that's good. Um, But don't mind the distractions. Uh, We are finishing up the series called Stories That Jesus Told. Uh, Parables are really uh, the things that Jesus taught in. And so a parable is kind of like, I've been um, illustrating it with a walnut, that if you're hungry enough and you see a walnut, you will get into that. But we just got a puppy. We've had a puppy for about a week now. It's been a very interesting uh, change for us. We had four kids. I thought we were done with sleepless nights finally. And, uh, and now we've introduced on, by our own volition, uh, sleeplessness again. Um, but one of the inter- interesting things about puppies is that you can't do to children, and you shouldn't do to children, is that you can put them in a cage when you leave and they'll be there when you get home. And one of the things that you do is you kind of half torture puppies. Now, listen to the whole thing before you make judgments on this. There's this toy called the Kong. Do you know what a Kong is? Yeah, yeah. So a Kong is like this impossible thing for a dog, right? You take food, you put it all the way inside this thing, so they smell it. It's like, ah, it's getting them crazy, but they can't actually get to it, right? They have to work really, really hard to get to it. But if they work hard enough and they're persistent, they'll finally get to that thing. But probably about that time, you're coming home, and it's all good. The dog was fine. Um, That's kind of what a parable is like. Jesus tells these stories that are very simple to understand, like anyone can understand them. But if you actually want to get to the meat, if you want to get to the peanut butter inside the Kong, if you want to get to the the nut inside of that walnut shell, you're going to have to explore, you're going to have to dig a little bit. And where we find ourselves in Matthew 25 is Jesus talking about his second coming. Now, we're celebrating Christmas. Um, We're in Advent season, it's called. Who knows what Advent means? Advent. Do what? Yell it out. Before. before, okay? Coming, yeah. So it's like before, coming, waiting, all these ideas put together. And so we celebrate this Advent season, celebrating the first coming of Jesus. And Jesus came on, on his own volition. Jesus came to gift us with something that we couldn't gift ourselves. Do you have someone like that in your family? Or friends that you, you struggle to buy gifts for them? Because it's like, man, any, anything you think you might want to get them, you see them with it. Like the next day, they're like, oh yeah, I, I knew I needed this, so therefore I got it for myself. It's frustrating, isn't it? That's kind of how I am. <laughs> this is a full confession time. I didn't confess that in any of the other gatherings, but that's how I am. If I need something, I just go ahead and get it. Well, Jesus gifted us with something that we couldn't gift ourselves with. He brought forgiveness He brought a right relationship with God. He brought reconciliation between enemies of God and God, right? We can't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to become a friend of the Lord today, right? And I'm going to do that on my own abilities. So that's why Jesus actually came. He gifted us with something we couldn't give to ourselves. And after he rose from the dead, which is kind of crazy in and of itself, but after he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to return. And he wanted his disciples to know what was going to happen and how to prepare for that. And he actually tells us this parable as well so that we can be preparing for that reality. 
So we're going we're gonna to get at this now. Matthew 25. We'll, we'll walk through this kind of verse by verse. Now, we're going to participate together, okay? So if you don't say anything back, I'm going to answer myself, and it'll just be really awkward, and that's fine. Uh, but I'm going to read a verse, ask a few questions, and then we'll just move through the passage this way. Uh, so Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a long journey. And he called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. So man prepping for a journey calls his servants to him. What does this tell us about the master, this man? What do we know about him so far? Don't think too deeply on this. He's going on a journey. Now, in that day, if you're going to go on a long journey, what do you need? You need supplies, you need food, and to get that and keep that going along the way, what do you need? You need a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of moolah, right? You need that. But what, do we, what does this little verse tell us about his servants? I can't hear you. Yell. Okay, that they're going to do everything for him at home. But what does that tell us about him if he's letting them do everything for him while he's at, away? Yeah, that they can be trusted. They, they can be trusted. Great answers. Okay, let me read verse 15. To one, okay, so he has three servants. To one, he gave five talents. And this isn't like juggling or like balancing on one foot. Okay, we'll get into what talents are. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. So how many possessions are we talking about? Let's do some math. Come on, guys. I know it's evening. How many? Okay, we have five. One he gave five. What else? One he gave two, and then one he gave one. So let's, let's add them up. All right, man, this is killer. It's amazing, all right? So eight, eight talents. Now, a talent is, is a type of currency. So how much do you think a talent would be worth? No idea. Unless you have something for sure, definitely. $1,000, way low. Okay, I'll just tell you. All right? No. A talent would be roughly as of Monday. Because I know you're always trading like Canadian currency for talents when you're going on long trips, right? Uh, it's an outdated currency for sure. But it would roughly be worth $1,400,116.57. Roughly. It's a little bit more than a thousand, a little bit more than five cents. Okay? So when this guy's going, he's sitting there with these three guys and he slides $11.2 million across the table and he's like, just watch this, okay? Like, take care of this while I'm away. Now, how did he decide how much he was going to give each one of them? It's right there in the verse. Can you pull that down so I can? No. He gave them talents based on what? According to their ability. So what does that tell us about their relationship? He knows them. He knows their capacity. He knows their limits. He, he knows how much he can entrust to one and to another and to another. 
But do you th- what do you think it would feel like or could be going through your mind if you were the one who received one talent and you watched, you know, your buddy get two and the other guy get five? What would you be thinking if you just had one? You wish you had more? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's an offense that would happen based on the fact that I, don't, I guess he doesn't trust me as much as he trusts these guys, right? It would be easy to define yourself, well, I'm just a one-talent person. Or I'm a two-talent person, but at least I'm not a one-talent. Or I'm a five-talent, and I'm far better and superior to all of them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. These don't define us. We, part of growth and maturing is learning our limits and our capacities. And your limits and capacities and abilities, they don't define you. And we're going to see that in a little bit, that that's not, God is not looking primarily for results of what you can do. Some of you have this, uh, this, this God quota over you that maybe you think that God is just looking for you to produce more and more and more and more and more. And you, you feel like he's this taskmaster and he's driving you forward. You have to be at gatherings at this time. You have to read your Bible this many times. You need to pray this often. You have this understanding of, of who you think God is that maybe that's not who he is at all. And you think that he's just looking for your results. But we're going to see that it's different this evening. So let's go through these three servants, and then we'll discuss together. We're going to start with the guy who was given five talents, okay? Now, this is in verse 16 and then 19 to 21. So it says, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. Now, let's see what happens when the master comes back. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents? See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Share your master's joy. Five talents. What does he do when the master leaves? Puts what? No. The guy who gets five talents. What does he do as soon as the master leaves? Yeah, he gets five more. But it says right here, he immediately, the man who had received five talents went and he put them to work. He put the money to work, not the men to work. Is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he put the money to work. Because if you know about investment, what do you do? You invest it and the money works for you. Like you go to bed or you do whatever you're doing during the day and the money is, is working for you and making money. But immediately he goes to work. He didn't play around. He didn't mess around. He didn't know how much time there was before the master came back. And so he puts the money to work. And when the master comes back, what does he find? Yeah, that he had doubled, doubled his resources. These questions aren't that hard, are they? What does the master say? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That the way that this man who was given five talents worked showed that he was a servant of the master, not a servant of himself. If someone slid across a table 
roughly $5 million to you and said, hey, I'm going on a trip. Um, I'm entrusting this to you. What might be the first thing you do? Are you immediately going to go to work? Go what? Go what? Oh, and count it all. Okay. I thought you were talking about a country. <laughs> go to Cairo. <laughs> go to go to party in Cairo. I mean, but maybe you're going to buy yourself a new video game system. Maybe you're going to buy some snacks. Maybe you're going to, you know, buy a, buy a new pool or a sauna or spa or something so that you can live the life while your master's away. But instead, he goes and works hard. He shows that he's a servant to the master. Those resources aren't for him. Those resources are for the master when he returns. You see, what was most important to the master wasn't the results. It was the faithfulness of the servant while he was gone. Notice, he doesn't say, well done, you successful investor. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. That the master was looking for faithfulness from the servant to the master. And if we, these parables are really meant to tell us another story, aren't they? They're pointing to the reality of what it's like when, with God and with us. And what Jesus is saying is that, did you know that God is not primarily looking for results from you? What God is looking for is faithfulness. That you keep focused on him. That you keep your eyes fixed on him. And when you make mistakes, when you sin, when you rebel, which we all do, you turn from those things and you turn back to him and you say, I want you. I, I made a mistake. I messed up. I, I can't believe I was going after this thing for this period of time. Now I want you again. And the beautiful thing about God being our master is that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you think it is. It doesn't matter how you don't think you can be forgiven for that. God says, try me. Try me. Show me how much of a mess you've made and see that my forgiveness doesn't stretch that far. It was faithfulness that was important to the master and it's faithfulness that's important to God. And do you know what the master does? He invites him to share in his joy. What does that mean, do you think? To share in my joy. (laughs) Yeah, okay, buys him an Xbox. By the way, it didn't come from my child for once, all right? PS5, all right, we're, we're video game heavy in this gathering, as you can tell. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he gave him like a stock option. Uh, maybe you got him a video game set. Maybe you got him a donkey. Like, I don't know. Maybe you wrote him into the will. But what I do know is share in my joy. There's a relational aspect. It's not, I'm just going to buy you something and send you off to your servant quarters to go enjoy it. I want to enjoy it with you. I want to be in relationship with you. You're, I don't view you just as a servant. I view you as someone that we're going to party together. We're friends. This has all changed. Your faithfulness has changed things. So what do we learn about the master? And then we'll move on. What do we learn about the master? He's definitely generous, isn't he? You made all this money, now I'm going to share it with you. And I'm also going to share my life with you. So he's generous. He rewards well. And he's loved. 
right? When he says, enter into my joy, the guy's like, no thanks. Just, just give me my money so I can go get my PS5 and play in my sauna. No, no, no. He's loved and he loves. This is important. All right, so let's go to the next servant real quick. Matthew 25, verse 17 says this. In the same way, the man with, two, with the two talents earned two more. And then into verse 22. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Now, real quick, what do we learn about the master here? Yeah, he's consistent. Right? He's consistent. He also doesn't expect the two-talent guy to do exactly what the five-talent guy did. He knows their limits, their capacities, their abilities. What's he looking for? Begins with F and rhymes with wraithlessness. Faithfulness. Right? (laughs) That was an easy one. That was an easy one. Friendshipness. That's a special word. Friendshipness. Go to school, boys and girls, and make some friendshipness today. All right. I'm digressing. Okay. So let's look at the last servant, and then we'll talk about it, all right? Uh, Matthew 25, verse 18. The man who had received one talent. That's still a lot of money. $1,400,000. Okay. Not chump change. The man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And then let's see what happens when, when he returns. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And his master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a beautiful Advent passage, isn't it? Like it just gives you all the Christmas feels, you know. What does he say? He says, I know you. Does this sound like the same master? The master we've been seeing up till this point? No. It's like diametrically opposed understandings of who this master is. The guy comes out and says, you're harsh. You know why, you know why I couldn't invest money well? Because you're harsh. Isaiah, if you were a nicer guy, man, I would have invested the money. It would have been amazing. But it's your fault. You're harsh. Right? That's blame shifting, isn't it? It's taking my inaction and putting it onto you. He says, you reap where you don't sow. This was a classic misunderstanding of how business really worked. It would be weird to, for an employee to say to a CEO, hey, you know, you don't put any work in because he's not on the, the assembly line like putting together the widgets. It's like, no, Worker, you misunderstand that he's doing a different type of work. He's working through you. So, so far, this this guy with one talent is blame shifting. 
It's not my fault. He's slandering. He's, he's lying about who this guy really is. And then he says, I was afraid, so I hid the money. Full of excuses. Just full of excuses. If the master wanted to hide the money, don't you think he's bright enough to find a good hiding spot? If he just wanted to earn a little bit of interest, don't you think he would have dropped it off at the bank? And then here's the end. He's, he takes out the talent and said, here's your money back. I kept it for you. Who do you think this servant was really serving? Himself. Why? Yeah, okay. Yeah. What else? Why, why do you see him as serving himself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't have a good relationship with him anyway. Okay. Everything about him, his self-preservation, his, his pushing it onto the master like it's all your fault means that he's just, ser- he's just serving himself. So what, is, what does the master say? Oh, hey, buddy, I'm so sorry that, you know, I was harsh with you. I'm, I'm sorry that you think I'm not a good guy. Let me give you more hugs and, you know, try, try better. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you evil, lazy servant. You evil, lazy servant. Evil means you're against me. You're in my house and you're against me. You're in my kingdom so you think and you're against me. And you're lazy. You're just serving yourself. You're all about you. Everything in life orbits around you and your wants and your needs and your stuff and you're missing the bigger picture. And he orders that the talent be taken and this this guy be cast into outer darkness. And we find out that the servant is really an imposter. He was acting as an imposter. That's kind of a scary place to be, isn't it? Because if you're inside of the church, maybe sometimes you just feel like, oh, I'm safe. I'm in the right place at the right time. I read the right book. I say the right words. But it's possible to to be doing everything in a way that seems like it's right, but you're actually serving yourself. You're doing it to make yourself feel better and to comfort yourself rather than actually serving the true master. You see, servants of the master can't serve him and their self-interest. The great uh, theologian Bob Dylan said, uh, you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, it may be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And then this wonderful chorus behind it, serve somebody, something like that. Yeah, I mean, theology and music is beautiful. So, um, but this is the reality. Bob Dylan's on to something, isn't he? You can't serve the master and your self-interest. At some point, there's a fork in the road where you have to, you have to change. Now, imagine this. Imagine that that guy who buried the talent Okay, the, the master comes back and, and, and the, guy, the guy takes the treasure out, the talent out. He brings it to the master and he says, you know what? I've really blown it. I'm a horrible employee. 
I took your money and I just buried it in the ground. I don't deserve to be your servant. I, I am so sorry for the way that I acted. Um, I want to learn what it means to be faithful to you. What do you think the master would have done? Okay. Yeah, we don't really know what would have happened, but we already know about the master that he's gracious, generous, loved, and loves. So if someone comes back to him and just says, you know, I've blown it the whole entire time you were away, what do you think he might say to them? Yeah, because the loss would be at the master's expense, right? He would, he would have to own the loss in order to reinstate the servant as a servant of him. But it seems like that's kind of the type of person the master is. That he's a, he's a reconciler, he's a reinstater, that he's, a, he's a, a hit restart. I'm thinking old Nintendo. You guys have me thinking video games now. I'm thinking old Nintendo console that just when you're about to die, instead of throwing the remote, you just hit reset or whatever. And it's like, I didn't really die. Right, But this master, it seems, is one that will offer repentance, that you're going this way, and you could say, no, I don't want to go that way. I want to go toward you, because you're a better master than whatever else I could be serving. So what's Jesus trying to tell us in this passage? I think really two things. Two things. One, God has entrusted his resources to you. You got to hear that. I don't, I don't care who you are. God has entrusted his resources to you. The stuff you're wearing, the hat you have, the, the scarf you have, the shoes you have, the mask you have. As much as you love the mask, it's not yours, Isaiah. I'm so sorry, right? All these things belong to, to him. Now, we get into this uh, in my home. I've used this illustration all day around bunk beds, right? We've had conversations about bunk beds. That when, when the kids are are crazy on the bunk beds, and it's like, they're going to break these bunk beds, I remind them, these bunk beds are mine, right? And, and I don't include my wife in that, because that's not how she rolls. She's much kinder than that. But I'm like, don't do that to my bunk bed. And they're like, that's not your bunk bed. That's our bunk bed, right? And I'm like, no, that's my bunk bed. Like, you didn't pay for that bunk bed. It's mine. And it's like, and if you can't behave properly on that bunk bed, I will take back my bunk bed, and you can sleep on the floor, right? And I will sleep in the bunk bed with my wife. No, no, no. But I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting conversation here. But uh, it's the idea that, that it's not theirs. It's not theirs. And that's one of the things that we have to learn in life, that everything that we have Every breath, it's not even ours. It's a gift to us. And here's the reality that you've been made, you've been made to be his. He made you, God made you for him. God made you for him. And he's a master that wants to invite you into his joy. He wants to invite you into enjoying him and his resources forever. Forever. But the second thing that Jesus is trying to tell us is that he is coming back. Jesus is coming back. There's a second advent. And he actually cares what you and I do with his stuff. Have you ever driven a rental car? And you like go over something and you're like, it's just a rental. And you just keep going, right? Because there's no sense of ownership. 
It's like, I'm returning this thing. There's no way they're going to find out about that busted up suspension, right? But the thing with, with the Lord is that he knows everything that he's entrusted to you and to me. And he's entrusted it to us with a purpose and with an intention for us to be good stewards of that. There are really three things that he gives to us primarily. And it's time, talents, not, not money, but talents, things, skills, abilities, and treasure. Money, resources, possessions. And here's the thing. When you become a follower of Jesus, he sends his spirit to live in you. Which is one of the craziest things in the world to think about. That God sends his spirit to live in you. To transform you. To be more and more like Jesus. And for you to know how to be a good steward. He gives us his word. He gives us his community. And he gives us his spirit for this. So let me just ask a few questions and then, then we'll be done with this part. and We'll enter into how do we respond to this. Let me ask this. How will you use his skills and abilities? Now that's important. How will you use his skills and abilities that he's given to you? For his glory and to bless others. Did you know? Did you know that for everything you do, you don't need to get paid for that? You don't need to be remunerated for every single thing you do. Maybe you're amazing with taxes. May the Lord bless you. Did you know that maybe you could help people do their taxes? Um, maybe, maybe you're a great graphic designer. Maybe you can help people do graphic design that need help. Maybe you're a great. Um, Musician, I, I know a great musician and producer who, who oftentimes produces albums for people absolutely for free because he wants to bless them. He could charge major money for this stuff, but he just wants to care for them because he knows that they can't get that type of quality stuff. How will you use your skills and abilities to bless others and to bring glory to him? In fact, what was the last thing you did for someone just because you wanted to. You didn't get anything for it. What was the last thing that you did for someone just because you wanted to? So skills and abilities. How are you stewarding those? At some point, you're going to have to reckon with this reality that you've been given things for other people. Secondly, how will you strategically plan out your time How will you plan out your time? Don't be a victim with your time. I don't know, like we just lost the afternoon. I just wasted time, right? You don't waste time. It's a gift that's given to us. Who is God calling you to be? You figure that out and then you begin to fill in your calendar offensively. Here's mine. Let me do this real quick for you. I didn't do this in the other gatherings. But for me, first, I'm a child of God. Second, I'm a husband to Jessica, husband of one wife. Third, I'm a dad to four kids. Um, Third, yes, fourth. I'm doing math too. Fourth, I'm a pastor within Church 21. Fifth, I'm a director for a church planning organization. Sixth, I'm a friend. That's all I can do in life. Some of you are trying to do way too much. When I go to my calendar, I do six months at a time of Google Calendar, and I sit with number one. I'm a child of God. How am I going to stay connected to God? 
and I plug in every morning time with him and I plug in days away and I plug in evenings where I get to pray and books I'm going to read. And like, I start with that. Secondly, I move on to a husband to Jessica because me being a husband to Jessica is more important than me being a pastor to Church 21. And Church 21 needs to hear that too often, that that's more important. And so I begin to fill out my calendar around how do I remain for the rest of my life to be a good husband to my wife and then my kids. And you fill out the calendar and then at the end of that, of that time of, of filling out the calendar, it becomes really easy to say yes and no to things. Things that I wish that I could do. I can't do because my calendar just says, no, you're called to do these things. But I also have a lot more free time because I have intentionally gone and done this. And I don't think enough of us do this. I think we just kind of wake up and we're like, what do I feel like doing today? Instead of strategically meeting with the eternal God and saying, what do you want for me to do today so that your kingdom would come here today? Third thing, how do you budget to maximally give? How do you budget your money and resources so that you can give as much as you possibly can? We don't talk like that, do we? We usually talk about like, well, the Bible talks about 10%. And, you know, if I give 10%, then I'm a really good Christian. And it's like, no, 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 no. Jesus once told a rich young ruler, sell everything, give it all away, and then come follow me. That money was getting in the way of you truly understanding and following me. Here's what God wants to do through you. He wants for other people to experience his generosity through you being generous. I've told the story a bunch of times in Church 21. Um, but one morning, I, I was walking to my office uh, to, uh, to prepare for a sermon. And it was a Sunday morning. We used to meet on Sunday mornings. And so I was getting in there early to do some work. And, um, and a man who was homeless uh, stopped me and asked me for money. Now, my thing is, I, I make friends with, with people who are homeless. Uh, I call them our neighbors without homes. I make friends with them. I give them my time. I don't give them my money because my friends who don't have a home have told me, don't give us your money. Like our closest friend that we had said, if you just give us money, we're going to buy, he said, he and my buddies, we're going to buy lots of drugs, lots of alcohol. So don't give me money, but give time. So anyway, one morning I'm walking to the office, guy stops me, says, hey, I need a lot of money. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't have any money. I'm going to my office. And I heard the spirit say, no, give him money. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do that. You know, not externally, but internally. And so I'm like, okay, buddy, like, let's go. You have to walk to my office with me and then I'll give you, I'll give you money. We get to the office. I go upstairs. I'm like, wait down here. I'll be right back. Go upstairs. And I saw like a toonie and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. And for some reason I had a $10 bill on my desk and the spirit's like, give him the $10 bill. I'm like, no, I don't want to give him the $10 bill. Like, that's for lunch this week at some point. You know, give him the $10 bill. I'm like, all right, this is going against everything in me. So I go back downstairs. I give him the $10 bill. I'm like, hey, here. Like, I hope you have a great day, man. I got to go to work. And he's like, whoa, you are so generous. And the spirit says, tell him you're not. I'm like, oh, all right. So I'm like, actually, no, I'm not that generous. And I explained to him everything that just went on in me. I said, you know, when you asked me for money, I said, no. I'm not giving you money. And then God began talking to me. And the guy started looking at me weird. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's strange. I said, but God started talking to me about being generous to you. 
And it's not because I'm generous, but because he's generous. And there's a God who loves you so much that he would tell me to give you $10. That's really his money. He's generous and he's changing me to be more like him. So here you go. And and I'm like, can I pray for you? I'm probably supposed to pray for you. (laughs) He's like, sure. So I prayed for me and went off. But that was a reminder to me that like, we're not yet generous enough, but God wants to make us generous God wants to make us generous in every situation and God will gift you. He's not going to call you beyond what he's gifted you to actually do. So how will you budget to be able to give maximally? How will you give to your family, the church? How will you give to to kids around the world? How will you give to, to be hospitable when people come in your home? How will you set aside money for the unknown things? All I know is this, that what, what the city thinks about the church is that it's just the place that's looking for our money, right? The Catholic church used to send out notices to home saying, send in your 10% this year. And instead of asking for the money of the city, the church should be a people that are saying, no, 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 like what are the needs of the city? Like we're ready to give. How can we take care of you? And when things come up, we don't say, yeah, yeah, the government will get that. It's like, no, 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 Lord, if that's your heart, how are you going to provide for that through us? Oh, that Montreal would become a place where the church would become a primary provider for the needs that are, are happening in this city. So let me, let me finish. I went long. I'm sorry. But let me remind you of this. At one moment, you were not faithful. You were that one. You and I were that one talent servant. That was all about us self-preservation, self-protection. But Jesus was faithful for you. He was so faithful that he went to the cross. He bore the weight of, of your rebellion and my rebellion. And he's given you his spirit, which allows you right now to be faithful to him. And when we find ourselves living as a one talent servant, we get to repent. We get to turn from that thing and turn back to him. This is what's good news about this. And the master has gifted you. Hear this, hear this. The master has gifted you to push back the gates of hell and bring his kingdom here and now. It's not a later thing, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here now in this place. So don't sit on it. Let these gifts go and be faithful in what he's given because you'll share in his joy. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to pray. Um, Jojo is going to come up. And uh, she's going she's gonna to sing uh, over us. And we're going we're gonna to take communion. If you're, I don't even know where the communion stuff is. Okay, it's over there tonight. Um, so if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, this, is, this is really for you. Um, this means that, um, it means that you've given your life to Jesus. You said, I, I am that one talent person. I've only been seeking me and Jesus, I need your death on the cross for me. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's for you. So I'm going to invite you as Jojo is, is um, as she's playing and singing over us, to go and grab that, take it back to your seat, and then we'll take it uh, together. Um, giving, I mentioned that. If you're visiting with us, man, I'm so glad that you're, you're here tonight. Uh, but if this is your church family, then we get the opportunity and responsibility to give. And we give uh, sacrificially, we give regularly and cheerfully. 
And so we actually have envelopes over there. Uh, there's also a link here. Look at this little uh, special green thing. Look at that, I can underline stuff. Uh, you go to church21.ca slash give, and you can, you can give through there. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then, then we'll respond. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you uh, bore the weight of our sin and our rebellion against you. Thank you when we were trying to, to preserve our own lives and trying to continue our selfishness and, and trying to manufacture a life that's all about us. You stepped in and you offered us a gift that we can never gift ourselves with. Thank you that you are a good God and you're here. Spirit, thank you that you speak Thank you that you have things to say. Thank you that you want for the city to get to experience you. And I pray that you would do it through us. I pray that each one of us would hear, yes, I have brought you to this place to hear these things that you would go and be witnesses of who I am. Would you change our hearts? Would you help us celebrate who you are? We love you and we need you. Amen.